Black men are strong and filled with rich heritage. We black men matter, and our health should be a priority. Now is the time to educate ourselves on how we can live a longer and fuller life for our families and, most importantly, ourselves. This is Men Making Health a Priority, presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships. Here are your hosts, Dr. Ken Harris and Dr. Bashir Easter. Good day and welcome. I'm Dr. Ken Harris right here on the new 1017 The Truth. Uh, We're here today to talk about a topic that's really um, important because we're still in the era of MLK, Martin Luther King birthday, things of that nature. And we're here with Dr. Bashir Easter. How are you, sir? How you doing? I'm looking forward to our today. All right. And we also have a guest who is my Starbucks buddy from way back when, when Midtown Starbucks was open, and that's Mr. Bruce Spann. How are you? I'm doing well, Ken. How are you? You're looking good. You're looking good. Thank you. Thank you. We always see each other, you know, like shopping in a men's store. I'll come by. Oh, there's Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. So this is Men Making Health a Priority. And this week, because it's the last weekend in January, we want to look specifically at... uh, Martin Luther King, his life and the effects that it has on us and the things that we do in our community. One one of his quotes that we're going to reflect on today is life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? And with our guest, Bruce Spann, we're going to we're going to talk about his family history and some unique issues he found out in his family. First of all, welcome, Bruce. Thank you. Uh, You've been in Milwaukee for how long? I've been in Milwaukee uh, really most, well, most of my adult life. I came first to Milwaukee as a student at Marquette. Oh, okay, okay, we're done. Yeah. I went to Marquette. <laughs> Another Marquette. Another Marquette alum. So were you, were you the old school Marquette or you a Golden yes, Eagle Yes, I was a Marquette? warrior. Okay, yes, you're a warrior. I was the Warriors. Right, I was here right. when we won our only national championship right. with Bow and Company. And all right. I majored in uh, civil engineering while mm-hmm. I was at Marquette and... Graduated, moved away, East Coast, West Coast, and about 13 years later, a uh, friend of mine named Rick Norris called me up and said, hey, there's a guy that's looking for somebody to uh, run his Milwaukee office that he just opened up, and I told him I have no intentions on coming back to the Midwest, and especially not Milwaukee, and four months later, I was back. So I've been back in Milwaukee since 1993. So what were some of the drivers that brought you back? Well, I'll be candid. At the time, the I was in Washington, D.C. at the mm-hmm. time, and uh, things were just not going well in uh, Washington in my personal life. Mm-hmm. I was uh, in the midst of a breakup and, and imminently, well, eventually it did lead to a divorce. The uh, company I was working for, it was, uh, well— Every payday, we wondered if we were going to get paid. Ah. And then if we got paid, if we got a paycheck, is the check going to cash and so on. So it was just uh, it was really, in my view, it was just God stepping in because when Rick Norris called me and told me about this gentleman that was looking for someone who won his Milwaukee office who did live in Topeka, Kansas. He passed away in April of last year. But Horace Edwards was also a, a Marquette alum. Probably one of the first graduates of the College of Engineering in 1946, and also Naval Science in 48, 
uh, went on to a very illustrious career and was looking for, again, someone to come back and uh, run his Milwaukee office. And he started his firm at like age 65 to leave a legacy behind. And I wasn't going to come back until the moment I saw him when he flew me to Kansas City to meet with him. And the minute I saw him, he just had success written all over him. And it was, how do I say no? And I couldn't find a way to say no. So I'm glad I didn't. I came back and uh, I've, I've not regretted it at all. Wow. Dr. Easter, you, you, have a, a, you have a lot of experience with things that affect you regarding family history. Can you, can you kind of expound yeah. on that? Yes, uh, we talk about certain things and understanding what's uh, in your hereditary risk of your mother and your father. Um, the one of the things that uh, runs in the family that uh, that I've noticed is diabetes uh, is one, and then also I've had uh, loved ones who have been impacted by dementia, uh, Alzheimer's disease, and related to. Uh, one of the notable things that I think we talked about, uh, uh, doctor, is before is I found out where my daughter has POTS disease. And in that, not having an understanding of what it is, but found that out, just been a conversation with my father that states that uh, my sister has it, uh, POTS disease that we knew nothing about because, um, uh, you know, we, were, we really didn't talk as much. Uh, but as we started to learn more from each other and just passing conversations, starting to learn more about what's in our bloodline. So, yes, absolutely. And so for you, Bruce, yours came when you found out the history of Alzheimer's and dementia in your family. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Both my mother and father had uh, have uh, memory issues. I was the uh, legal guardian for our mother for the last four years of her life. Mm-hmm. And I was in the process of trying to establish if she had dementia or what form of an Alzheimer uh, affliction did she have, but we didn't get a chance to complete that process. My father also has, uh, he has been clinically diagnosed as having dementia. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mother also had two other siblings that had dementia, and they passed from that, well, I'm not sure what their birth death certificate says, but I know that they had uh, dementia as well. And my father also had one sister. My father had 11 siblings, and he and, and one sister had dementia. And then my mother had seven siblings, and three of them have uh, dementia or Alzheimer's. So... Offhand, we know that that it can or cannot be hereditary, right? that it can it can be something you eat, it can be something you drink. All those things can attribute to Alzheimer's and dementia. But then I tend to look at it the way we do prostate cancer. Right. Every man in his 80s or 90s who passes away, passes away with prostate cancer. It's not significant enough to affect their life, so it doesn't kill them, but they still have it. Is that the same way with Alzheimer's and dementia? Do we have to start looking at life as at some point I have to plan that something like this may occur? Or is it something that we just are just really getting our our arms around? So that's a couple pieces that go with that, Doc. So number one, African-Americans are two times higher to be impacted by the disease and our Latin American uh, community is one and a half times higher. But, they are keep those, trying to figure but, out but, but are those the numbers that we're getting the data or is it or do we know so 
what's actually so this is what we're getting into. So this is what we're getting into. We uh-huh. don't know, right? We so ah, what we do know is. that's connected to it is that African Americans, Latinos are on the high risk. As we talked about this, high blood pressure, right. diabetes, right. heart disease. These are the things that wait actually wait, wait, impact. Wait, 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 wait. So now it's Alzheimer's and dementia. So it's actually Alzheimer's disease and related dementias, right? So dementias is just an umbrella term of symptoms, right? We all can have those, right? So when we talk about the dementia types, we're then going into Alzheimer's disease, which is the most prevalent, as they stated. But then you're looking at Lewy body, frontal temporal, the other components of that as well. And that's all just part of which the brain is actually being impacted or damaged. That actually shows uh, up to see uh, what the person actually is able to do functionally. Uh, But when we talk about uh, this disease, in um, the African-American uh, and the Latinx community where you're going, you're a- absolutely right. They're really still trying to figure out how the brain works. So one of the things they're looking for is the amyloid fluid. It's a fluid that they may be stating. You hear about these drugs that are coming out that they're uh, utilizing to be able to reduce the amount of amyloid that's in the uh, brain. They're really trying to see if that is cause of the plaque that is actually attached to uh, the different synapses that kills those cells that causes the the issues of the brain uh, tissues to die. And so what we're really recognizing is there's other components that go along with that, which we talked about. You know, we talk about a healthy heart, a healthy brain. Diabetes is being linked to it very uh, closely because how the brain actually uses glucose to be able to process and ease those sugars. But if your body is not able to break down or utilize or unlock and use the insulin that the body is already has to be able to tell the body to use that sugar, it's an excess. And so that causes some damages. So we we are really needing, as we start having this really strong conversation, why we need to be a part of the research is because a lot of the the, the studies and things that we are learning have been really on, um, on white men and white women. We have not been a part of the research um, uh, enough, even though we're the highest hit with the, uh, being impacted by this disease. So that brings us to Bruce. So then, Bruce, how, how did this with with your mother and your father, and and possibly other family members, how did how did this drive you to become a part of all of us? Yes. Well, again, uh, I became more heightened uh, in in my awareness about it during the four years that I was the legal guardian of my mother and. And watching the deterioration of her mental capacity and and um, the challenges of trying to take care of her, uh, it made me more conscious of what happens to me if uh, when I get older, am I looking in the mirror 20 years from now at what my mother and father are going through? And I have just one son, and I don't want to be a burden on my son. My mother wasn't a burden, but when uh it was it was a challenge she lived in chicago right we had to uh she lived in a well i won't use the adjective i use to describe where she lives on the south side of chicago <laughs> but if you tell me the intersection i can tell you 80, 76th in, in essex wow okay yeah she lived southeast she lived there yeah, yeah 55th and yeah. calumet and mm-hmm. jeffrey and all of that and um when it got to the point where she lived in the apartment she was in for about 30 years, and the landlord also lived in the in the building, and she had a walk-up to her unit. And so he was concerned that either she was going to fall down the stairs and, and seriously injure herself or worse, 
or she was going to set the building on fire. Right. Because cooking and cooking. And, and, and even I was there right. a couple of times when she told me she was going in the kitchen to, to put something in the microwave. And I hear the clicking of the uh, pilot light on the ga- on the gas stove. And I go in there and sure enough, she's facing the microwave. But she turned on the gas stove as well. Wow. So he wanted her out of the apartment because he was concerned about her well-being. And, he, and truthfully, too, I'm sure he was concerned about the rest of the building being homeless if something should happen. And so I told our sister, our mother had a child with uh, after my parents divorced, and my sister lived in Chicago with her. But I told my sister, I said, well, I'll be willing to help, and I'll be willing to come visit our mother still if it's not in this neighborhood. I can't come back to this neighborhood anymore. I don't want to come in this neighborhood anymore. And I said, if she stays in Chicago here, then count me out. Um, I have three other brothers, and the four of us have the same mother and father. So we agreed that the best thing would be to move her back to South Bend, Indiana. And so that's what we did. And uh, she spent the last year and a half of her life in South Bend, Indiana. But uh, that just really awakened me. And then going on through her uh, deterioration, and and she passed away in August of uh, last year, I watched. And and at the point where she was unable to go back to her assisted living facility, we were hoping that she could go to a specialized nursing facility, but she had an emergency surgery that brought delirium on top of her uh, dementia, and she just lost it. She didn't understand anything. She was pulling IVs out. Mm -hmm. She couldn't Mm -hmm. take her meds. They couldn't treat her anymore. She stopped eating, and eventually she passed away. And and I said, I I just don't want to put my son through that. If if I can at least help in some way, I, I, I want to find out more about this disease. On one hand, but then on the other hand, as I was reading more literature, I'm kind of uh, apprehensive about it, but I'll be cautious in that regard, too. But uh, I, I just don't want him to have to to, mm-hmm. to take on so much more burden than would be necessary. Uh, he has grand—well, my grand twins. He has twin children, and, and, uh, and so I just said, well, uh, let's see what I can do to help minimize any burden I might have on him later in life again— Am I looking in the mirror 20 years from now at myself? All right. Our guest is Bruce Spann, president of Spann Associates at Engineering Consultants. We're here talking about family history with Alzheimer's, dementia. We've also got Dr. Bashir Easter from all of us. And when we come back, we really want to look at what we actually need to know. You know, we have this general understanding an idea about dementia, but then we really need to understand what Alzheimer's really is. You're listening to the new 1017 The Truth. More of Men Making Health a Priority presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships is next on the new 1017 The Truth, the Truth app and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to All of Us And we're here with Dr. Bashir Easter, of course, and our guest this week is Mr. Bruce Spann, who's the president of Spann Associates Engineering Consultant. And so we've been talking about Alzheimer's and the related dementia um, characteristics that go with it. But I want to I want to dive in just a little and really talk about uh, from. And I'm I'm, going to throw this one to Bashir because I always like to make him do all the technical work. You got to do the heavy lifting. Um, 
what do men actually need to know? No, no, no. You know what? First, I want to ask a quick question. Uh huh. What made you, Bruce, choose all of us? Like out of out of all the things and the research things you work with and hospitals and all that, you chose all of us. Why is that? Well, I was uh, talking with my friend to my left here uh, was mentioning about the fact that I had started uh, the process of mm-hmm. volunteering for the uh, Alzheimer's research that's being conducted by the University of Wisconsin under NIH and, and the like. And that uh, I said, my friend whose daughter is the director of the Milwaukee office, Dr. Nia Norris. And I was saying to her that earlier in 2022, I had started looking into volunteering for Alzheimer's research because I had seen the impact it was having directly on me and could have on others. Mm -hmm. So when talking with Vivian a couple of weeks ago about uh, the fact that I wanted to restart that application process because I got off track with my mother and Three months later, also, I had a brother that was killed in an accident, and um, she was saying, oh, well, we have this program, all of us, and, and uh, in fact, maybe you can learn more by also attending the uh, interview next week. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, by attending, she meant participate. So, <laughs> okay. So she, okay. she volunteered me, so to speak. to As, to as she always yeah, does. Yeah, uh, yeah, as we know. That's our Vivian. As yeah, we know. Right. So she volunteered me. Why don't you come next week? And let's, let's, we'd love to have you be a part of all of us, and we'd love to have you uh, also talk about your experience uh, dealing with Alzheimer's and dementia. So uh-huh. that's why I wanted to come and, and get involved. So, Bashir, all the people, right, a million black people that are going to be giving blood, what, bone, whatever they got in their body, DNA, all that stuff, they're going to be giving it to all of us who can yeah. then start to see patterns between, say, Bruce, who, who may or may not have something in his body that may or may not give him Alzheimer's right. and connect it to other people and start to see a pattern in their blood, in their DNA, that can one day help. Because we know black, black people don't like research and sticking needles and, you know, because we, we just don't trust. And so right. what do men need to know, connecting it to all of us, what do men really need to know about Alzheimer's and dementia? Is that uh, with this, that I gave those numbers, that, that we talk about who's impacted by it at the highest number, right? And when we talk about men, what we talk about, remember, we had this whole discussion as we, we continue to do this, Doc, is that we don't want to know what's going on with us. It's a hesitancy to want to know about it, not even just to this, any diseases. I mean, it's any ailment that we may have. We have this hesitancy that we can manage it even if we wake up and we're hurting and stuff like that. Our body is is telling us what is is, it, is an ailment. It tells us it's every day. Um, and so going to the doctor to figure out what's going on is what's very important. You have to find out when we talk about know your numbers. You need to know how you tick. Then you need to know what is in your bloodline. You know, as Bruce talks about him going to be part of the RAP study. Right. That is a that that is now to find out what is actually how much fluid and and all of that is actually in his brain. But also it told it goes into it being a hereditary thing because of his parents. being oh, wait, impacted. wait, wait, wait. So so you haven't finished it. No, you I still haven't. have to go do the blood and the DNA. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, oh, wow. I. Wanted to start it, like I say, earlier in 22, but uh, my mother's health and 
and the like just put me off okay, track. So. Okay. So, Dr. <laughs> Easter, you got to be careful. Don't be throwing out too much data. You might scare him. No, no. No, we can't. But that's the thing, Candace, you know, is we right, need this. Right. Like you asked about why men need to know about it. It's because we are impacted, right? And so we right. want to make sure, as he is stating, he's able to, wants to see in a mirror if this is something that he might have to go through. We should all believe that with any ailment or anything that goes off is what can we do so it would not impact our family? And one of that is take care of yourself to understand what are your limitations and what it could be because a lot of things are preventable even with the disease uh to be able to say certain things that you can do you know you talk about uh exercise socialization you talk about you know healthy heart healthy brain these are things that you can do now to slow the pro uh the uh the uh, progress of it or even developing that as well but why now like why why do i have to work out and know my numbers, and talk to people about it, and share. But those are some of the things that have held the black community back and has caused us Correct. not to know about something as simple. You know, you said something mm-hmm. that was meaningful today, and then Bruce... Just today, Ken? Well, yeah. okay, every day. <laughs> I'll just every, day every day. Okay. <laughs> I gotta tell everybody just, just as smart as, <laughs> smart as everybody. I'm gonna say. But, but, but you said something about the fact that that people assume dementia is this disease when in fact there are there are varied parts of dementia that can affect a person and it can be different in each one exactly and so what is what is alzheimer's so when we talk about alzheimer's so dementia like an umbrella term of symptoms and i use it on the concept of you can have a medication that is at adverse with each other. You 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 know your speech is can be slurred or you get right. you get you know, woozy. You know stuff like that. You can have some alcohol, right? You see a person who's over indulged and they can stand up straight. They're doing all these different things. Well, those are are, are called temporary because once the alcohol is dispensed medication is uh, taken care of. You may have a urinary tract infection. You get some antibiotics, you'll be okay, right? You get back to what you say is your baseline. When you have a conversation where you are now not able to do your activities of daily living due to impairment, it is we're talking about the type of dementia you may have that has to be a testing to be able to find out what it is, what's part of the brain is damaged. So Alzheimer's disease- we're, We're talking a mental assessment. Or a right, you're looking at a mini cog. So the mini cog is really okay, to test it, your ability it. to understand. So they'll do a clock draw. They'll have you do. It's called the mini mental. And you can say and who's the president. Yes, yeah, a memory screen. Right. And then they'll do a scanning of your brain. But what they're looking for when we talk about Alzheimer's disease, as that's the one. So Alzheimer's disease they look for it usually impacts memory. But that doesn't mean all dementia types are memory issues. Alzheimer's disease, what they find is usually a white matter that's on the brain. It's really saying what's causing a deterioration of the brain. And these synapses that we're able to track, speak, touch, and all of that with our brain. The issue is, is when those uh, areas are damaged or destroyed, you now see the changes of the the trying to reroute reroute to understand the, the world around them. And so in order to find that out, you have to have some series of tests uh, as well as scanning of the brain to understand what type of dementia you might have. Now, that with the testing with the RAP study, they're really doing to try to find out what is it, if there's a, a hereditary piece, because if you have certain parents that may be impacted by it or live through it or even passed 
because of the complications. They want to know from the siblings and uh, that are around, is this something that is now in the uh, the DNA or the system that will cause them to also be high at risk as well? All right. So when we come back, we're, we're going to jump into we, we already talked about what men need to understand and know about Alzheimer's, what we need to understand about the breadth of dementia. But we also need to figure out what do men need to know about research and how that actually works. And so when we come back, we're going to have Bashir walk Bruce through now, now that you filled out your initial, what comes next? What are the steps and how does that tie into the research that really for the next I would say generation or two is going to define how black people receive and get medical treatment. You're listening to all of us. I'm Dr. Ken Harris right here on the new 1017 The Truth. We'll be right back. This is Men Making Health a Priority presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships on the new 1017 The Truth, The Truth app and 1017thetruth.com. You're listening to all of us here on the new 1017 The Truth. Thanks for joining us today. We're our our topic today in tribute to Martin Luther King. We're we're looking at um his birthday, the holiday Reflecting on one of his quotes, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? In the African-American community, in the black community, we tend to have to utilize that in our young years for community service. In our older years, we take care of our parents. And so we've we've talked about research and we've, we're going to be talking about, you know, health hesitancy and why we're hesitant about research. But. Uh, Dr. Easter, if you could walk us through now, Bruce, you've you've you signed up and that's it. Yes. Right. So you're on par with pretty much every black person in America, white person in America, Hispanic, Asian. We start stuff, but then we get distracted and start doing stuff and go somewhere. And right. And so now that you've been able to come through and, and your family's intact now and, you know, unfortunately, you lost your mom. But now you have your you have information that a lot of people don't have. Yes. And so now you're moving forward with all of us, right? Yes. Dr. Bashir, what's next? How does he move so forward? So that is it. You, you stated that very well as we have our Dr. Martin Luther King's quote, life's most precious and urgent question is what are we doing for others? The information that you receive when we talk about getting into the All of Us Research Program is that data, right? Is the information that comes back that we're really trying to, as we talk about million individuals that are going to give their, uh, I say their essence, you know, um, and people are like, well, I'm giving this and then what happens, right? Well, we are not, when I say we, people of color are very hesitant to be a part of research because we were forced into it uh, to a point where we didn't understand it and they tested on us and then used that information for uh, other um, goods and uh, medications and treatments and surgeries. Uh, and, and the hesitancy is, hey, we should be a part of research, but it should not be a force situation. This is a chance for now you to be able to be a part of something uh, that you get the information, your data back that you can utilize for yourself as well as that information and data that is being received can be medication, medical treatments and uh, 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 precision medicine that can help you and help your kids and grandkids as you find certain um, 
issues that may be going on with your body to not only help yourself, but others. And so what do I mean by that? So once you enroll in the program, you give your blood, your urine, and then your physical measurements, that information of that will be pulled, uh, but pulled and utilized to be able to have researchers to be able to do a multiple of tests on different uh, samples that the scientists can use to find out how they can um, find treatments. So I'll use the examples that we talked about, like our glasses, right? My glasses won't fit you and your glasses won't fit me because they're precise to me. Well, there's certain um, uh, things that I have going on in my body that medication that I may be taking doesn't absorb well with my body. I don't know that until I get my DNA. That DNA tells me a, a one snapshot of how I tick. And if we don't have that information, we're walking around guessing. So what the All of Us program allows us to do is we get back our 59 genes and seven genes of medication sensitivity and 59 genes of a hereditary risk. But Bashir, that data starting to be returned Bashir, now. I feel good. Yes. Though. I, I feel good. I feel fine. So, you know, there's a few things we talk about, which is a silent killer. Ken, what are some silent killers yeah, that we can feel, say we're feeling but I, fine? But I feel fine. Huh? I, I got a slight right. headache in the morning, right? Yep. I get yes, tired right. in the afternoon. My back hurts you sometimes. But I, otherwise, I feel fine. And right? those silent killers, if you do not go in and find out what's going on, they're, they're, you'll find out all of a sudden that you have what we say prostate cancer that has right. uh, exasperated. You find out that you may have a cancer that has now caused some issues that you haven't checked on. Right. These preventable things and this information that you give back, you now can say, hey, I have in my family history this. It does not mean you are now. Um, impacted by it on your daily living, yep, you are feeling fine, but you do understand that you have this as a high risk. One of the things is, for me, since uh, my mother and my family members were diabetics, um, and I am a diabetic, I have a higher risk of getting uh, or having um, Alzheimer's uh, disease and related dementia just because of having diabetes, right? So these are the things that you should know to prepare for. So now I'm more uh, cautious and very aware of what I eat, how I take care of my, my sugar levels. I get myself checked all the time because the data is now given to me. That's what we're trying to get our people of color to have. You need to know who you are so you can manage it, right? It's the information, it's the data. Until it gets to crisis is when it's the major issue. So <laughs> when you get your DNA back, and, and I was just showing somebody. So when you get your DNA back, they give you this. I, I, I got to tell this because I thought when I saw it, I thought, well, this is kind of dumb. Why does it matter if I have a bitter taste? Why does it matter about cilantro? Why does it matter about earwax? Right. Lactose. But what happens is as you eat every day and as you go through your normal day, it tells you watch these things. If this tastes this way all the time. And then it changes. You should know that your body's changing, that there's something in you that's not exactly. supposed to be. There. Exactly, doctor. Exactly. And if you don't, we're walking around guessing every day. Right. We just we just think life changes. And that's and, right. And so so now Bruce is going to give his blood, his urine. They're going to take some DNA and then they're going to you know, put it in the machine and all that. But then he's going to get results back. Right. Yes, he gets his results back. And so we get a you get a genetic counselor that will help you understand your information. And here's the other thing we talked about. Remember, Doc, right. is your doctor that you're with should be on your team. So that information you should you should get back. Right. You so should know I got to have a doctor, too. I got to like, oh, yeah, you, you should have a primary doctor. You oh, got to have a primary okay. doctor. Got to. 
the re- the information that you get back, the doctor may not be able to understand it. They may, but your genetic counselor that is a, that we have through the All of Us program will explain to you your data that you receive back, and now you're able to go into your doctor and say, "Hey, doc, you know this is what I've been um that's in my family history. This is something that we need to be able to pay attention to with some of my blood tests." That's wow. knowing yourself better wow. than the doctor knows you. That's what we're trying to get uh, people of color and everyone to be a part of and, and, and pay attention to. The All of Us program is, is it's not just for people of color. It's for anyone to enroll in this program, for a million participants to be a part of it. But we definitely want to make sure that um, uh, underrepresented populations are involved because that is where we be able to take a hold of our health and our health outcomes and do a better job with the information that we receive. So, Bruce, do you have any hesitancy about your health? I mean, that you're willing to share? No, I, no, <laughs> okay. I, I don't. Okay. Uh, I've, I've, I think I, I, I know that I do pay attention to my body, and uh, I am aware of, of, as I learn more about the history of, of my father's side and mother's side of the family, I do mm-hmm. take notice of that, and I do try to, to monitor myself. I haven't noticed, like, for example, that, something that I've always tasted suddenly tastes different. Mm-hmm. But uh, I will pay attention if I I don't get headaches. And if I get a headache, I immediately try to figure out why I have a headache. Every now and then I had too much to drink, too much wine, because I'm a wino. But uh, <laughs> otherwise... You know, that's an old school term. <laughs> they don't know nothing about, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But right. otherwise, I will... Uh, if I can't figure it out, I'll, I'll call the doctor up and, and mm-hmm. let them know. And um, so, but it's, I guess, other other family members have also made, heightened my awareness as well. Like, for example, my youngest brother, uh, he was checked out right at the first time, I think when he turned 50, you're supposed to go get checked for prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. And he went, he will turn 60 on February 11th. So 10 years ago, he went to the doctor that April. He was stage four prostate wow. cancer. Wow. So it already was um, metastasized through his body. He's a walking miracle. Doctors come in the office or into his, his hospital room, and they say, I, I just want to meet you because I've never uh, met someone that's been stage four for 10 years with uh, prostate cancer. And so I watched that, and I— I feel like he had to have had some signs, as you were mentioning earlier. He Absolutely. had to have felt some aches and pains somewhere and right. ignored them. I, I don't ignore those those aches and pains. Right. I, I am wondering, though, uh, Dr. Bashir, will will the, uh, will the All of Us program, will it tell me if I have the indications of Alzheimer's, like I was reading the amyloid and tau uh, proteins, may be in your body at a level 10 to 20 years before you actually uh, exhibit signs of having a uh, Alzheimer or dementia issue. And that's a good question, Bruce. The, the main thing that you'll be going through with the RAP study is going to help in that process. Um, with the, the genes that you receive back, they're really they're more focused on a few 
uh, what they call BRCA. And that BRCA is those that focus focusing on the cancerous cells and stuff like that as well. But you do get your uh, the 59 and 7. So as the data starts to come back, which was start, starting this year, will be the first uh, of those groups to learn exactly what that information is going to entail and then how do we utilize that information moving forward. But the RAP study that you have also been a part of is another, is, is probably the, the, the premier way of understanding how you are and um, your hereditary risk in regards to what's going on with the amyloid fluid. And, and, it's, and it's funny how when you look at something like bitter taste perception and, and cilantro, all those things spider out to so many other things in your body and so many other systems in your body where it can tell you when there's a change. Yes. You need to go to the doctor sooner than you might. Right. Mm-hmm. You may not want to wait. Like, like my birthday is in May. I, every May I go get a checkup. Every May I argue with my doctor. No, I want PSA and a digital rectal exam. That's correct. Well, you correct. know, I'm not, I'm not. Okay. Time out, doc. I pay you. I'm not asking. You really mm-hmm. have to know that. And so it's, it's funny. I was on this kick of healthcare 2.0. And if you don't know what healthcare 2.0 is, it's, it's where you start to track how you feel every day. So when you go to the doctor, you have your data with you. You hand them the journal and go, here, this is what my temperature was every day. This is how I felt, all that. All of us does that for you so that over time you can look back and go, oh, wow. wow. This is starting to tell me these are the things I need to pay attention of. And so that's why I think it's so great. We're going we're gonna to jump into, you know, wrap up some things, but really talk about how people can stay abreast of all of us, how we can figure out how to get our friends our neighbors, our family members. And it sounds like, and uh, we, we need to come back to Bruce to really, to really hear how this, how he hopes this will impact his life. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to all of us, I'm Dr. Ken Harris. Our guest is Bruce Spann and Dr. Bashir Easter. We'll be right back. You're listening to Men Making Health a Priority, presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships on the new 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. I'm Dr. Ken Harris. We've got Dr. Bashir Easter and Missy. We're going we gonna to call you Honorary Dr. Bruce Spann. How's that? that all right? We're going to take that? Um, for all of us, it's important that we understand when the title of this program is Men Making Health a Priority, that's exactly what we have to do. And so we, we have some things. What's, what's, what's next for you, Bruce? Well, what's next for me is I will continue with uh, the RAP study, but also I am very much uh, committed to being in the All of Us program. I want to learn more. I want to to be able to go back to my doctor next year because my annual is coming up soon, but I'll have my information for him to uh, Dr. Ofanime Essien at uh, Saint, uh, uh, Saint, uh, Columbia St. Mary's and, um, and continue to go on from there. And, and most importantly, in, any critical pertinent information that, mm-hmm. that my son needs to know about, I make sure that he knows. I don't... Um, you know, my parents came from that generation where they wouldn't tell us if, what was wrong uh-huh. with somebody, that they died. Uh-huh. Yeah, right, right. they just died. I, I remember my father's youngest brother, he was less than 30 years old when he passed away, and he had a an enlarged stomach, looked like he was pregnant. So I know he had some kind of cancer, but but they didn't tell us what he died from. And, uh-huh. and I tell my son, I tell my son about my father's prostate, 
about my brother. I tell him I I have high blood pressure. Thankfully, I I don't have diabetes, but uh, I make sure that my son knows whatever is going on with me so that he can uh, be aware of it for himself and also for my grandson. And that's uh, what's most important to me is is passing it down and making sure that others can go further than we have and know more than we know and do better than we've done. I used to be so fearful of getting cancer or something bad happening. What I found out when I went back in my family history is that though my mother had breast cancer and colon cancer, and, and she died at 59, I found out that her and her brothers and sisters were ferocious smokers and drinkers. I mean, like pell-mell without the filter smokers. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Right? And it, it was amazing because all of them had cancer. And the doctor said, it's, it's kind of easy. He said, well, I said, don't smoke. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's, it's kind of that simple. So, another thing you pushed on is that we don't share who our doctors are. Mm-hmm. We don't ask, hey, Bruce, hey, I'm looking for a doctor. Bashir, where, where can I find yeah. a good doctor? Yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't share those types of things. And so it goes back to the hesitancy that's in us about the health, about the research, about doing those things that can help us. But now I'm hearing this program, right? Men making health a priority. Where do I go to get into the program for all of us, Bashir? So we have, our location is um, at the Center of Community Engagement and Health Partnership. Um, and that is, we talk about the location, right? We're right in the heart of downtown. We're in a rural building. Um, and so uh, the we are looking to make sure that if you are interested in enrolling in the program directly, you can do that with us. The other thing is that um, uh, 1020 North 12th Street is where we're located on the fourth floor. Uh, but you have to start something first. So what we you have to do is actually create your account. Um, and so we have people, this is more of a paperless type of program. So generally what you're doing is you're gonna go ahead and um, go online um, and you can look at it at either joinallofus.org um, and do some education about the program. That's one thing that I will not ask you to do um, or any of the staff would ask you to do anything without you doing your due diligence to understand. But then we'll also walk you and educate you about what you need to do to enroll. But once you go online, as you know, Ken, as you've done it, you read the information, you know what it looks like, you know what we're asking, you set yourself up an account, and as you set yourself an account, what are they asking? Just more about who you are. Right. They want a holistic view of you, right? They want to know about where you know where you live, you know anything in regards to that. And then your electronic health records is added to you to add more depth of who you are. You give consents to that as well, and then you give consents for them to give you back your data. You have always a choice to want to see your information or not want to see your information. Once you set up your portal, you then go ahead and set up a appointment. An appointment you set up with us at our office, and what we'll do is we'll walk you through the process of doing your blood, your urine, your physical measurements, and we take those samples and, and, and uh, from you, you get $25 to be a part of that. But then it's, the difference is you're not just giving that information and walk away. Now you are a partner. We actually, you, uh, you continue to go on, do some more vignettes that are on there uh, on a uh, monthly basis. They're just actually do some right. more of those, that information. And then after that, you will continue to learn about any updates that are going, that are happening with the program. And then the other goal is to make sure you get back the data that you get first, which would be your um, your her ancestry information. And then the fun facts, Ken stated, 
uh, with cilantro, lactose, and then their heavy data will come back with your 59 genes and seven genes. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask for Bruce, is this really a partnership? Because I see you getting all my data, all my blood, all my email, all my you, you getting everything, my, my name, my date of birth and all that. But really what you do is you give people back information and testing that they would have to go to a medical professional and pay literally eight, ten thousand dollars total for all this information. All of us does it for free. They actually give you money to be a part of it. It's, and, it's, and, it's, and it can be a lot more, but money. they do give you that. And I get some <laughs> coffee money. That's what I'm talking about. We yeah. go Starbucks, yeah. Bruce. Yeah, put it on Starbucks. Starbucks That's right. Card. That's yeah. right. And so, how do you feel about the next steps? Any any hesitancy? Any or, or are you on fire? You you really trying to get this done? I'm on fire. I'm going to get it done. I'm, I, there's no hesitancy. So, looking forward to the next steps. I've always tried to give back. I have been a regular donor, uh, donating blood. I've started back in the 80s, admittedly for selfish reasons. I used to live in Wilmington, Delaware, when Joe, Joe Biden ran for president the first time in 1988. I was there, and I got a job in D.C., commuting back and forth to D.C., driving two hours, 130 miles. I drove like 70, 80,000 miles in 15 months. And always going back home, I would get very sleepy going through Baltimore and the, and the, and the tunnel, <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay, if I get into a car accident, I think I'll start donating the blood, so at least the blood will be free. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so so that's when I started donating blood, but then I kept doing it, and, and I've been doing it even here in, in Milwaukee. I found out that I'm a match to four people that have uh, sickle cell, so that mm-hmm. motivates me to continue to do that as well. But then the MLK ML. MLK thing kicked in where you yes. start thinking about, well, my blood will help me, but where are the hundreds and thousands of people who can get one pint of blood and have life? Exactly. Yep. And that was very nice. And and I first uh, started at the Dr. Charles Drew mm-hmm. blood center. Yeah, so yeah. that was just all the more reason to go as well to, to be a part of that history. And so Bashir, how can... How can me being in all of us help us really serve others? Are, are, they, are they really applying this data to research that's going to help the black community? Yeah, so let's talk about that as well. So there's a workbench that we were also that you're able to get back. So that data has already started to come back about the percentages, the what they found uh, that you can actually access. So we're, we're looking to create a community um, scientist group, a part of that in Milwaukee, where this that we can access this workbench uh, to look at what is prevalent in the area, just with the information of individuals who's already enrolled in the and, program. And, and how granular will that get? Can I look at zip code, it, census tract? Yes. Wow. You got it. And so that data comes all the way back. And I think we talked a little bit about that to say if we wanted to focus on a, a certain zip code and certain uh, um, age and then demographic, we can pull that in that information that will come back to then say, what can we do? We find out, remember, it was holistic. So if it was an area that was a, that they stated is a lot of noise that's going on, or there is, we talk about the lead in, in, the, in the pipes, and how does that affect those individuals? And this data now can be used at a, a granular level that citizens and community scientists can say, hey, we want to take action because we received this, this, this data. One other tidbit I'll share is that information that we received so far it was able to tell us that COVID was actually in the U.S. way before they stated it. Mm. 
That came from the data from the All of Us Research Program. I'm scared of y'all. <laughs> I'm scared of y'all. Y'all got, y'all got, and so you can actually take data. You'll, you'll take Bruce's data. It'll, it'll be um, put in with everyone else's, mm-hmm. and you'll be able to start to look and see patterns, right? Because, for, for instance, you, you, you talked about COVID. Everybody thought, oh, COVID's in the black community, and it's spreading around the black community, and it must be something about them, their blood and their DNA. What they found out is that many black people were the ones working in service industries. Yes. Yeah. So and one of the, that, that data that came back on doctor is that we found out the from the, the testing, I think of about three, that they noticed it way before the time it was in, that it was actually in Wisconsin. Correct. It was in Wisconsin. One of those those individuals that was ground zero was in Wisconsin before it was even detected across the uh, the nation. And mm-hmm. so we now can do that in the black community for us with myriad diseases, illnesses, and things of that nature. We we got about thirty seconds. Again, can you give us the information on how we can connect with all of us? Sure. You can uh, contact us by going to joinallofus.org to do and to learn more about the program itself. We're at 1020 North 12th Street, and that is in Milwaukee across from the Aurora. We're on the fourth floor uh, if you're interested in enrolling in the program. And we're looking forward to we have a great staff and looking forward to helping everyone who's interested. I appreciate it. Bruce Spann, he is president of Spann Associates Engineering Consultant, Marquette graduate. Not Illinois State University, but Marquette University. <laughs> Had to throw that in there. Yes. Uh, Dr. Bashir Easter, MBA and PhD, yeah. Assistant Director of UW-Madison, all of us here at the Milwaukee Site Center for Community Engagement. It's, it's really great to have a show like Men Making Health a Priority because for so many decades, men did not make health a priority and it's had a devastating effect. You know, we talk about prison. You know, we talk about the pipeline. We talk about education. But right now, your organization is the only one doing something about health. And so I want to say thank you. And on behalf of this great month, the MLK Tribute, we have to remember let's life's most persistent and urgent question is is really manifest in all of us. What are we doing for others? You're listening to Dr. Ken Harris. I'm your host for Men Making Health a Priority.